Today we are in our third week of what you can call our apologetic series in Tribe. And um, the last week we looked at what? Can I believe the Bible? End times. Okay, so the first part we looked at, can I believe the Bible, right? Then last week we looked at the end times. Okay, I was trying to remember. And um, so today we are looking at Christianity versus Islam. Praise the Lord. Okay, the open question, the opening question says, do you have Muslim friends and what has your experience been with them? Um, or actually say just beyond Muslim friends now, Muslim relatives, some of us are uh, married to Muslims, some of us have Muslim parents, you know, and um, I've had experience, and I still do have experiences with my Muslim friends, mostly good experiences, but I want to, to, I want to hear yours. What has your experience been? Who wants to go? Do you have Muslim friends? How, how has it been? <laughs> you have a Muslim friend? <laughs> Almost everybody does here. Everybody does, rather. Okay, so I'm just going to call you at random. You. No, no, no. Faith. Praise the Lord. Aliyah. I, I have a Muslim colleague. You do? Yes. Are you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> She's nice. She's very nice. She's sincere. She's um, she has integrity. Um, she's very good. Even better than some Christians. Christians, yes. Good. The only difference is that she is, is just a faith. In character-wise, in every other thing, she's very good. Behaviorally, yes. Good. Yeah, that's that's been most of my experience, um, too. Um, even though I have some naughty ones too. I have them both. Okay. So, who else? Yes. Right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I have um, a Muslim friend. I used to have a Muslim friend because we stopped being friends. Okay. Um, I discovered we always argue about a lot of things. But one thing I discovered about him that really um, struck me was the fact that he was even far better than all the Christian people around me. That's my own experience. I just, re I realized he... When you say far better, what do you mean? Behavior? Why? Yes, behavior. Okay. His okay. behavior. He listens to people. He, he believes in helping others, you know. 
I discovered that he's even far better than he, even his Christian friends that were around him at that particular point. And that, that makes it difficult for... for yes, yeah, so it was now very difficult for me to really talk to him, to absolutely. win him over. Yes, it was not very difficult. A absolutely. Okay. Um, thank you. I mean, I've had both experiences. My um, neighbor, my former neighbor, who is in South Africa today, every time he comes to Nigeria, he calls me, comes to my house. I mean, you know, um, I always send Christmas gifts to him. And, you know, we're just, but the guy is a serious practicing Muslim. Better behaved than most, a lot of Christians, I can't say most, a lot of Christians that I know. Um, I also have some Muslim friends that are very cantankerous and very uh, troublesome, you know. Always wanting to fight, particularly on religious matters. And I believe that God wants us to understand their faith, understand where they are coming from, see how we are different from a faith standpoint. And really the truth is that we have to do better from a behavioral standpoint. Our faith must translate to our behavior. You know, you can't say you're a Christian and you are the first to slap someone in your, in your community. You are the first to be abusive. You are the first to keep malice. You are the first to... You, it, it, it doesn't add up. But that's not why we are here today. I pray that God will give us all the grace to be followers of Jesus in Jesus' name. 1 Peter 3, 15 is our apologetics um, text. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready. So God wants us to, all, to be always ready, always being ready to defend, to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. Do it with gentleness and reverence. God is saying we should be ready to give a defense. The word defense there is apolo apologia, which is from which we get the word um, ap apologetics. Praise the name of the Lord. So God wants us, all the knowledge you're going to get today, and, you know, I, I pray that you get understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. You have understanding in Jesus' name. All the knowledge and understanding and insight you're going to get today is not for us to be arrogant or puffed up or we are better than them. No. All the knowledge is, is for us to show respect and reach out to them. Write this text down. Deuteronomy 18.22. It says, okay, it's, it's, it's your notes already. It says, if, if there's a prophet that speaks of the Lord, the name of the Lord, and his prediction doesn't happen, this is what you should do. Don't, don't fear him, you know. And 1 John 4, 1 to 3, 1 John 1, 4, 1 to 3 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit of God or who calls himself a prophet. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have, they have 
comes from God. See, people, many people have different, oh, Pastor, God is telling me that the church should do this. Oh, God is telling me, you know, uh, if, we are, if I'm going in the direction of everybody that's telling me God is telling us to do something, we'll be, we'll be doing, we'll be just be running the entire skelter. But that's not our portion. Say amen. <laughs> you know, to see if this, the Spirit comes from the Lord. It says, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person, particularly in the, concerning our text, claiming to be a prophet, acknowledges Jesus Christ came in the real body and that the, that person has the Spirit of God. But if somebody claims to be a prophet and doesn't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, the death, Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, the spirit of the Antichrist says. And Galatians 1.89 tells us that let God's curse be on anyone, including us, even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of gospel, good news, than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other gospel than the one you welcomed in Christ. Let the person be cursed. So it's a big deal to God what we embrace, the, the teaching we, we embrace. Now, when we look at the Islamic world, most Muslims are Muslims by birth or by cultural affiliation. Over 80% of people that are Muslims are Muslims because they were born into a Muslim family. And the, the as you are going to see as we go on, the culture is so neat that you, you, you dare not come out. Because if you do, you, you are facing uh, some serious things, <laughs> which we will see. So, if someone says he's a Muslim, mostly... It is a it's faith that is handed down to them. It's the dogma they believe is what they've always believed. They've not examined their faith. They are, in fact, they are not even allowed to examine their faith. Our God says to us, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. But it's not the same over there. So, you, you need to understand. So, the person you'll be talking with, I believe God will bring Muslims your way in Jesus' name. I'm mostly born into that faith and haven't at any point, which is why we challenge people to seek God for themselves and find God for themselves. That's why we say to people, the fact that you are born in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. The fact that you are born in a bakery does not make you a loaf of bread. And the fact that you are born in the garage does not make you a car. So the fact that you are born in the church doesn't make you a Christian. You have to come through the personal realization of, of the person of Jesus and him loving you. So we see that the Islamic world is governed by the Sharia law, which is the Islamic law. It governs every aspect of life and is enforced in places where it is embraced. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Um, the summary is why they're not coming up. No, not that one. You are going ahead of yourself. <laughs> okay. So, we will look at the, the, the um, fundamentals of the faith and we'll contrast Christianity and Islam. What do Christians believe about God? About Jesus? What do Muslims believe about God? What do they believe about Jesus? About the Holy Spirit? How to be saved? Their key writings and all that. So, if we start from the founder, date, and location, we see that in Christianity, the founder is who? Come on. It's Jesus Christ. He's not the pastor of the church. <laughs> I know there are a lot of founders, but the founder of Christianity is who? It's Jesus Christ. It was founded between AD 30 and AD 33, you know, in that three years, Jesus um, started and completed his earthly ministry. And it was in Judea, in Israel, the province of Judea, in Israel. Now, Islam, on the other hand, was founded by Muhammad. Muhammad founded Islam in A.D. 57 to A.D. 57 it started gathering, but it really didn't start until A.D. 610. A.D. 610 to A.D. 632 for 22 years. And it didn't happen until about 500 years after Christianity. So, Islam or Christianity is 500 years older than Islam. Not 50 years, not 100 years, not 5 years. 500 years older. The key writings of Christianity is the Bible. The Bible, as we learned, which is why, we, interestingly, we had to do that. The, the, the authority of the Word of God. You know, if you miss that teaching, you, you want to listen to it. You know, and it's made up of 66 books, right? 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, 40 authors, the Bible. The key writings of Islam, I, I mean, I'm just spewing out facts, praise the name of the Lord. I'm not interpreting anything. I'm not deducing anything. I'm just spewing out what? Facts. I'm just spewing out facts. Facts in the public domain, easily verifiable. Okay? The key writings of Islam is the Quran. The Quran is known as a text to recite. And they recite it in Arabic. It must be recited. I mean, they cram the whole thing and they recite in Arabic. It's a text to recite. And they also have two main other books with a, with a, with a 
the third one that is with it's, it's um, a minor book, if you will. But apart from the Quran, they have the Sunnah, which contains the traditions, and the Hadith, which is the narrative. Now, the, the traditions and the narratives are of the Prophet Muhammad. So, the Quran says to, that the Muslim must follow the lifestyle of the Prophet. And the lifestyle is contained in the, narrative, the traditions, narratives in the Sunnah, and the Hadith. Then, obviously, we have the journey, which is Sirah. Even to the point of how he eats, the Muslim must copy how he eats, how he does his oblation. I mean, follow the Prophet. Praise the Lord. Who is God? Who is God? Christianity says one God in three persons, not three gods. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. One God, Trinity. Islam says Allah is one and absolute and it cannot be known. Christianity says one God, he can be known. He reveals himself in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Islam says one God, absolute, cannot be known. And the struggle here is, in fact, the average Muslim, or the, the ones that are knowledgeable, believe that the, the Christian has three gods. Because they are, they are saying one plus one plus one equals three. You know, but that's the wrong way to look at it. If you want to look at it mathematically, you, you shouldn't use addition, you should use multiplication. One times one times one equals one God. Who is Jesus? Christianity, Jesus is God. The second person of the Trinity. Always existed and was never created. Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's what Christianity holds. In fact, Jesus said it himself. I think in John 12, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Who is Jesus? Islam says, Jesus Prophet Isa. Isa is Jesus in Arabic. Islam agrees and affirms that Jesus had a virgin birth. A lot of us find that interesting. <laughs> they actually agree to that. Was sinless. Islam agrees that Jesus was sinless. A worker of miracles, that he works miracles. And is, they regard him as one of the most respected prophets. But they say that Isa, their own Isa, was not crucified and did not resurrect. And Isa is not God. We say Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected and he is God. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> 
Well, you can clap if you want to. I'm excited about that. Because that, that is the crux of our faith. Our faith is not in the birth of Jesus. Our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus. So if you agree with the birth, fine. But if you don't agree with the resurrection, you still haven't agreed. Who is the Holy Spirit? To the Christian, the Holy Spirit is God. The third person of the Trinity. Not a force, not an influence, but a person. He has emotions. He has feelings. He can talk. He knows. He loves. He can be grieved. But in Islam, generally, do not believe in the Holy Spirit. At best, the scholars, the Islamic scholars will say it refers to the angel Gabriel that came to give Muhammad the Quran, that recited the Quran for Muhammad. Now, the question now is, how to be saved? How can you be saved? The Christian says, salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith and not of works. Lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 6-8. Salvation is by grace alone, not by works. Islam says, salvation, you see, there, a, there has to be a balance. The balance between your good, when you show up before God, your creator, the balance between your good deeds and your bad deeds will determine where you end up. Whether you end up in paradise or in hell. So, all your bad deeds on one hand and all your good deeds on the other hand. I remember you know that you don't start a chat. <laughs> Many of us <laughs> don't start a chat. You know, in fact, I don't even think any human being. Because the word of God says that all our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. There is the best of us cannot stand the scale of God. So Jesus has to come as a sinless lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world so that you and I can show up confident before the throne of God based on Jesus' obedience and Jesus' sacrifice. 100% grace. 100% grace. I have a friend who, um, his whole family was Muslims. He got saved. And we, we were prayer partners for years. You know, we used to pray together, do videos together, you know, study the Bible together, evangelism together, you know. And he was, he was reaching out to his brother, and his brother said, I had a problem with this year of Christianity. And what's his problem? He says that, you mean that if he, if he has killed people in the past, if he has, you know, done all sorts of atrocities, if I come to your God and I say, I repent, he will forgive me. And he says, yes. And I will go to heaven. He says, yes. He says, he can't, he can't swallow that. He says, he should be punished for all his sins, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if he's saved today, but... He had a barrier at the time because 
as a Muslim, you couldn't get why you shouldn't, why your good deeds should not overshadow your, which is why if you hear a lot of our comments on our interactions with the good Muslims, you see that they are, they are good works. They are good. Why? Because they want one day to be able to stand before Allah and for Allah to say to them that your good deeds has overweighed your, your bad deeds. But when they show up, it will be before Jesus. The main types of Muslims, there are two main types. There's a third part type that I'm not really going to talk about. There are two main types of Muslims. And, you know, we need to understand this. The, the, the first main type are the, the Sunni, or the, the Sunni Muslims, and the second are the Shia Muslims. Now, the Sunni are the people of the tradition. The Shia are those that are known as the party of Ali. What, what's the difference? Now, at the end of Muhammad's life, when he died, there was a big tussle for power. Who will succeed him? Now, the Sunni people felt it is the, the people that are closest to Muhammad, his disciples, the people that went out with him, came in with him, taught with him, conquered territories with him, and the um, Shiites are like, no, it should be a blood relative of, of Muhammad, starting from Ali. So that's why they are called the party of Ali. So, um, so it, was a, it was a very um, violent confrontation and, and, and the, the party split. Obviously, the Sunnis are a whole lot more today and um, a whole lot more today. Um, um, about 80% of Muslims today are Sunni Muslims, you know. Even in Nigeria, mostly Sunni Muslims. And um, we have some sheds, obviously, in, in the northern states that are constantly being persecuted, you know, by the Sunnis. The Muslims down south are Sunni Muslims and a whole lot of the, the Fulani Caliphate from Senegal to Sokoto, they are Sunnis. Usman Dafodio was a Sunni Muslim. He was a, his father was from Senegal, uh, the Fulani man that um, settled in Aousa land and turned and started a jihad to take over their, their land. And it's still happening today. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, to Muslims, the military and economic expansion of Islam liberated people suffering under corrupt kingdoms. So, what is being sold? In fact, the houses the, the, the that joined Danfodio's jihad were were those that were disenfranchised with the, their leaders. So they told them, these people are taking advantage of you. If you come to Islam, you know, you'll be taken care of. Then, obviously, they joined and sold out, and they took over the, the kingdoms. Praise the name of Allah. Are we still together? 
Now, I just want to say at this point that God's name has been used by both Christians and Muslims to justify murder and mayhem. It's not only Muslims that do it, that have done it, but they are still doing it. Christians, too, have done it before, using God's name to kill people. Obviously, historically, the Islamic expansion of the 6th to the 7th century is a classic example. And I'm going to talk more about that, the, the Islamic expansion of 6th to 7th century, I mean, shortly. Then, the Crusades of the, of, 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 of the West, 11th to the 13th century, the Crusaders felt that they need to avenge their Christian brothers. Look at all the killings that are going on today. Just like the Christians in the South now says that let us go arm ourselves and go and fight our crusades and wipe out all the Muslims in the North. That was what they did, literally. Obviously, that's not what God has sent us to do. Praise the Lord. In fact, some Muslim scholars still regard this, the, the cross as a symbol of war. So when they see the cross, it means war for them. And the swords of the, of the crusaders is, is like that. The sword, like the cross, you know, they designed it like that. And obviously, present-day Islamic Jihad is still going on, even in our country, Nigeria, by different groups masking as different things. Now, for the Muslim, the greatest sin in Islam is what is known as Sheikh, Sheikh, and is associating Allah with anything, anything at all. So, qualities like fatherhood cannot be attributed to Allah. If you, if you, you cannot say Allah is your father. If you say Allah is your father, you have committed the greatest sin in Islam, and you are worthy of death. Yeah. For Christians, God is our father. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> are you, aren't you glad God is your father? <laughs> For the Muslim, Allah cannot be, is not to be related with. He's, he's, he is supreme and he demands total submission. Or you beheaded. That's, that's what it is. I know some people are trying to play it down, but if you read the text, that is what it is. That's exactly what it is. So, many Muslims believe Christians are guilty of shirk because they call God Father. So, all of you that are excited about God being your father, you've just committed the greatest crime in Islam and you're worthy of death. It's not funny. It's the truth of Islam. Really. And that they believe that we, we also serve many gods. So that's also Sheikh, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are serving money. Allah is one and is the greatest. Praise the Lord. 
Are we still together? Are you understanding this thing better? Good, good. Now, we need to, we need to understand that from an, from, from an eschatological standpoint, last week we looked at, we looked at eschatology, right? End times. Muslims, most Muslims, that is the scholars, the ones that know their lessons from their rights, believe that Mahdi, who is called the guided one, from Muhammad's family, will appear with Jesus before the final judgment. They actually believe Jesus is coming back. Interesting. Now, also, looking at their eschatology, They believe that there's hell and there's paradise. And paradise includes, includes a garden populated with oris. You know who oris are? Beautiful virgins designed by Allah to provide sexual pleasure for righteous men. Oh, God, you. So, which is what is which is one of the fuels for for um, Islamic terrorism, because they are promised if you kill somebody in the name of Allah, or you kill yourself, or you commit suicide, or you destroy people, twenty-one virgins are waiting for you in paradise just for your pleasure. It shows you what men will do for this capital letter S something. Really? Really? I have to check it out myself. Is it really in their book text? It is. No, no, I keep asking myself. So when I read it, I said to myself, wait till. So what would they give the righteous woman? <laughs> oh, they, I don't, they, okay. The, oh, women don't have rights. They don't have rights to, to 21 uh, <laughs> able-bodied. <laughs> With big chests. Six parts. What other things do they look for? Oh, God. Now, by no means, I'm by no means ridiculing anybody's religion. You know, I'm just stating the obvious. And if they are facts, I've not, have I interpreted anything? No, I'm just stating facts. But facts can be funny. So that's why we laughed. So nobody should take offense. Because I know some of us are married to Muslims. And I don't want you to feel that we are disrespecting your, your spouse, your spouses. Praise the name of the Lord. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I struggled with I mean, I was like, really? 21? It shows you the kind of person Muhammad was. Really. It shows you his kind of thinking. And it showed you what he actually used 
to subjugate or to get a lot of men to do crazy things to spread Islam for him. Praise the name of the Lord. So when a Muslim, a Muslim who converts to Christianity or another faith has committed an unforgivable offense against Allah, against the prophet Muhammad, they say, and against his community. And this is punishable by death or excommunication. Now, the, Christ, the Muslims that are in the southern parts, like I said, my, brother, my, my, my friend was my closest friend at the time, you know, his family practically excommunicated him, but the, he was still going home. They just won't pay school fees. They won't do, I mean, they were persecuting him. But nobody wanted to kill him. There was no death threat. His brothers were still playing with him. And that is because they are not practicing the text as they should. So, so when people say, oh, they are peace-loving Muslims, and it's because they are not obeying Muhammad. They are disobedient Muslims. They actually should kill him. It's called honor killing. You kill him because he has brought this repute to your family name. It's called shame. Shame is shared in Islam. Shame is shared. Honor is shared. The community is strong. So, Allah's character and attributes are revealed through 11 Arabic names. There are Arabic names that reveal Allah's, Allah's character. Two of the most popular ones as the, as is the, the most merciful, the most gracious. And there are other names, 99 of them. Now, in the Quran, Allah reveals his will for mankind to obey. Not his person for mankind to relate with and know. And that's, that's a huge difference. So, it, it's, this is, this is the Quran reveals his will. This is my will. And you have to be submitted to it. If he's God, why not? But the real God says, I want to reveal my person so that you can relate with me. And your submission, your obedience to me is because it's out of love. It's because you love me. Your obedience to me is not because I'm going to break your head or cut off your throat if, if you don't obey me. Hallelujah. So, in essence, Allah's ultimate attribute is his will. His will, if you're writing. Allah's ultimate attribute is what? His will. Full submission. Full stop. Jehovah, God's ultimate 
attributes is what? Is love. Is love. God is love. That is his ultimate attribute. And love is relational. Love wants to know you, wants to fellowship with you, wants to be with you. So God doesn't simply choose love. His love chooses to act. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his, his what? The world, everybody. God loves Muslims, God loves Jews, God loves Indians, God loves everyone. Habalists, God loves everyone. Because he made everyone. And that is so important. Now, jihad is permitted for the spread of Islam and carried out on kafirs, infidels or unbelievers. Kafirs, which is where the Yorubas get the word keferi. Have you heard keferi before? Keferi are the unbelievers, you know. So it's, from, it's an Arabic word. So, jihad is permitted for the spread of Islam. It is permitted for the spread. And you see, Quran, I'm going to quote a few texts of, of the Quran. Quran 1, 2, 3, 9, 1, 2, 3 says, Kill those of the unbelievers and let them find in you hardness. That's in their text. So when someone says to you that there are some Muslims that uh, I, I just um, peace-loving Muslims, the truth is that they are disobedient Muslims and they've been secularized. But the day they decide to repent and follow their maker, may you not be there on the bed with them. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, again, in the Quran, there are 109 instruction texts instructing Muslims to kill kafirs, to kill unbelievers. 109. That is not a small number. Again, I need to say this. Not all that say they are Muslims are killers and terrorists. But all terrorists are Muslims. Not everyone that says is a Muslim is a, is a terrorist or believes he needs to kill. There are a lot of Muslims that don't believe they need to kill anybody. A whole lot. But every jihadist is a Muslim. So you could ask, I mean, because, I mean, so why do some Muslims say they are peaceful and they don't kill and others believe in jihad considering all non-Muslims as infidels? 
They can convert or be subjugated, be levied, or be beheaded. Those are the three options for, for unbelievers. Convert to Islam, be subjugated, pay taxes, and you, are, you serve your slave, basically, to the Muslim, or beheaded. So, why would we have very, I mean, I've listened to some very intelligent Muslims speak. They actually don't believe. They will use the Quran to show you that Islam is a religion of peace. And obviously, we all have heard Muslims that we use the same Quran to show you that Islam needs to be propagated by war. In the case of the Crusaders, other Christians could stand up and stop them and show them from scriptures that even in the Old Testament, when God allowed for war, it was under certain conditions. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, if your enemy slaps you on one cheek, do what? Turn the other cheek. So the, 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 the Christian body stood up and resisted the crusaders. And that's, that's one thing I challenge my Muslim friends to do. You don't believe in killing people and spreading Islam through terrorism. They say they don't. I said, then get up, go on social media, and tell your fellow jihadists, your, your fellow Muslims that are jihadists, to stop it. They can't do it. It's suicidal, <laughs> you would say. But the Christians did it. The Christians stood up to the crusaders and said, look, this is wrong. Christ tells us, tells us to love. And from then till now, nothing like that has ever happened in Christendom. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so, on one hand, there are people that will use the text, the same Quran, to show you, like, like I said to you, one of the nine references of kill the infidel, kill the infidel, kill the infidel. Let them feel your hardness. And yet, the same Quran would say, don't live, with, live peaceably with them. You know, um, um, your religion is your religion. My religion is my religion. It's in, the, it's in the Quran, you know. Stated like that. What happened? I'll tell you the story. Are you ready? If you look at the word Muslim and Islam, there are Arabic words derived from the word Peace, salam. For the semi, for the for the Jew, shalom. And the root words, because they are consonant-driven, really, is SLM. So you see, Muslim, Islam, Shalom, Salam. Assalamu alaikum, so peace be unto you. Salam is from the same root word, peace. Now, why was that? Because at the beginning of Muhammad's life, I mean, as, as, a, um, as the prophet of Islam, 
he actually preached peace in Mecca. Mecca, um, that thing that, the, the rectangular thing that they all go to, what's it called again? Kaaba, right? There used to be 360 gods in that place. It was polytheistic. So when, Muhammad obviously was part of them. So when he started Islam, he was preaching a monotheistic doctrine. So he was saying, Allah is one. Allah is the greatest. Allah Akbar is... So that was his teaching. But it was hinged on peace. And he had some converts. And he was growing. And infiltrating now, if you, if you know how these things go. So you have different priests to 360 and you are collecting their converts one after the other. What will happen? What happened to Paul and uh, Silas? <laughs> so in Mecca, they persecuted the Muslims. Now, before then, there have been some radical elements amongst his followers that, that are saying to him, look, let us take up arms. Let us deal with these people. And he said, no, that um, Islam is a religion of peace. So when they showed him Pepe, he had to run to Medina. And Medina is like, like New York. Like you can see every tribe there. There are Jews there. There are black Africans there. there. So it's multicultural. It's, they, they embrace anybody. Now, so when he got to Medina, he was embraced. But because of the shame and the ridicule he faced in Mecca, he now listened to the people that said to him. Meanwhile, he had written some texts in, 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 in Mecca in his, in his 10 years in Mecca. He had written some texts, mostly copying the Torah. A lot of his writings are copied from Moses' work. But he claimed Gabriel dictated it to him. And you see Genesis, Adam, same thing. But that's not, that is A-levels. Maybe when we are doing part two, we begin to tear those things apart. Ah. Where did I stop? Okay, so he began to listen to them. He began to listen to the to the militants in his, in, his, in his group, and he launched an attack on Mecca after having a treaty with them, a peace treaty with them. He broke it and attacked and, and destroyed all of them, destroyed their temple and took over, took over Mecca and began to write those jihadist texts in the last 12 years of his life. The Quran we know today was, did not exist when Muhammad was alive. The Quran we know today was put together by the third sheikh. Um, what's his name? Uthman. And he burnt every other text. And that's how we have Quran today. 
So Quran was not put together by Muhammad. It was put together by the third, not, the, not, the, not the one that succeeded him, not the second one, the third one. So we had his writings when, his, when he was peaceful, he wanted to, to copy Jesus. Then he saw the cross, he couldn't go on it. <laughs> this is my interpretation, now I've interpreted. Then he ran away and he had to fight. You know, even Jesus' disciples were telling him, let us deal with these people. Don't you know? Let's call down fire from heaven. Let's cut off their head. Let's, and Jesus said no. So he, he, he had plenty of those kind of people. And he started by saying no. This is the religion of peace. So we have a section of people that are focused on the early life of Muhammad, are preaching the peace, and the other section, majority, I mean, I don't know, mostly majority, that's saying, listen, this is what this man said before he died. The last part of his years, kill the infidel. Praise the name of the Lord. So he died in AD 66, And um, he set up something that is very dangerous, which is called the Takiya, which is what was used against Mecca. The, the Turkish used it to wipe out all the Christians in Turkey. Um, this Palestinian leader, Arafat, Morafat, Arafat, used it against, tried to use it against Israel. You know, when, when, when he signed his peace thing with Israel and Egypt, um, um, Syria, and the other guys called him and like, I mean, what are you doing? He says to them, remember Takiya. What does Takiya say in Quran 86, 17? He says, give respite to the unbelievers, disbelievers. Deal gently with them for a while. <laughs> So, Muhammad says that the Muslim can sign an oath knowing in his heart that he is going to break it and Allah will back you up for breaking it. That's the crux of Takiya. So, when a Muslim agrees something with you, it's in their text. Then, we... Okay, I, I dropped something that is very, very important. There's, there's something known, known as, as satanic verses in Quran, which even a lot of the scholars can't fully explain. You know, what are those? In a bid to make peace with Mecca, Muhammad agreed that, okay, some of these, they are gods. They are in league with Allah. So that they can be at peace. Now, the problem with that is, he has written extensively how Allah is one, how anybody that embraces any other God should be killed. So when he saw his error, and he saw, he knew with the consequence, he himself said, written down, black and white, that Satan deceived me. That Satan tricked me. 
to say all those things. I, I don't mean them. It was the devil. So, blaming the devil has been on for a while. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, again, <clears throat> all verifiable facts. So, Islam transitioned from peace-rooted religion of peace to full submission to the will of Allah. Submission means anything it says to do, do it. Cut off their throat, cut it off. 21 virgins are waiting for you in paradise. And Muslim, the term Muslim transitioned from the peace-rooted world to a slave of Allah. And it's used interchangeably today. You see um, full submission to the will of Allah. I'm sure you've heard that before. And then they say religion of peace. They're just using it interchangeably, but that's, that's the root. So, Muhammad, a woman, it's important for us to understand Jesus and women. Jesus did not marry. He doesn't have a child, biologically. Jesus did not sleep with any woman. The closest he got was Mary that was kissing his feet. You know, that was the closest he got. <laughs> and it's written now in the Bible. <laughs> Mohammed married Kadia. Kadia was 40, Mohammed was 25. And I mean, Kadia was a wealthy woman. Her great grandfather was a merchant. Her father died. She had all the wealth. She was, she, in fact, she was called the queen of. Um, she was extremely wealthy. Extremely. So Kadia had a friend who was Mohammed's friend. So Kadia actually proposed to Mohammed, sent his friend to tell him that, oh boy, I disowe you. You want us to do something, you want to get married. She actually was the one. And his response initially to the friend was, ah, no, I like her, but no, because I don't have money to take care of a woman yet. I'm still struggling. Then she sent a message. What about a woman that can take care of herself and take care of you in addition? He said, hey, that one is a good idea. <laughs> that, that's me. <laughs> but he agreed. <laughs> he agreed to that plan. And she was a strong woman, the first Muslim. She believed him 100%, supported him with all her resources. And they were married for 25 years. And Mohammed couldn't take another wife. I said couldn't because of what happened after, afterwards. Because of Kadia's influence. He couldn't even dare it. As strong as he was. As soon as Kadia died, immediately
he wrote, he changed the text. He didn't change it. He said he has a fresh revelation that Allah says you can marry up to four wives. That was when he instituted four wives into Islam. And as his prophets, that he has special privileges. I have this text. There's just no time. That he has special privileges. So what did he use his special privileges for? He married a six-year-old girl. Yeah. He married a six-year-old girl called Aisha. So you see, Aisha and Mohammed have been coming a long way. Some of you don't get that. <laughs> you get that on Sunday. <laughs> But he claimed he didn't, he claimed that he didn't consummate the marriage until she was nine. He was a holy man, he waited. I'm just telling you facts. Facts, 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 facts. Public domain facts. Some people follow that kind of a person give their lives to it because of 21 virgins. They are the same. I'm sorry. Then after Kadia, part of his special privileges, he married up to 15, 16 wives. Some texts put it at 19. But the, the, all the proof that indisputable 16. Now, he started his exploits when he was 50-something, 50, 50, Abby. So, he was growing old. His, his wives are young and beautiful. And he had political power, religious power, economic power, but he didn't have uh, the physical power. So, <laughs> to maintain 16 young, vibrant, Middle East <laughs> women. So, it began to be, to institute all sorts of confining laws for women. They have to wear black robes so that men are not, don't see them. Started with his wives, actually, before he went on to the whole of Islam. Because he didn't want his younger militant soldiers to take his wives while he's sleeping. So they all have to wear the hijab. That is the origin of the hijab. Was an old man, insecure, young beautiful girls. But interestingly, so in Islam, women are owned by men, practically, the property of the man. That's why there's no provision for, for, for you guys in, in paradise. I wouldn't notice. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no virgin waiting for you. It's only for the men. 
But in, in, in fairness to, I mean, not fairness, in, in, to bring out the good thing, I've been fair to him. I'm just saying things as they are. So the good thing he did for women was in, in Mecca and Medina, in the, all in the, in the, in the, where he con- the place he conquered, he ended female infanticide, the killing of female ch- children. He actually ended it. And he actually instituted the law that allowed female to inherit property. Women couldn't inherit property before him in those places. And there's part of Nigeria that women can still can inherit property. They should be flogged. <laughs> they really should be flogged. So he, he gave power to women to inherit property. Back then, even though they just started driving in Saudi Arabia this year. Was it this year, last year? Quran 434. <clears throat> Again, you know, I keep saying to you guys that apologetics, you have to know your onions. You can't rush stuff. You have to know your onions. You can't rush stuff. Okay? So, we are going to round up in a bit. I just need you to know that. It says, men, now listen to this. Men are the maintainers of women because Allah has made some of them excel than others. And because they spend out of their property, in other words, they are the, um, the take care of the home, they are the breadwinners, the good women are therefore obedient, guarding the unseen as Allah has guarded and as to those on whose part you fear desertion, admonish them. Leave them alone in their bed. You know what that means? Um, don't give them sausage. And beat them. Then, they, then if they obey you, do not seek a way against them. Forgive them. Isn't that the institutionalization of domestic abuse? Am I reading it wrong? When your wife disobeys, starve her of sausage, one, then beat her up. If she obeys, don't throw her away. Forgive her. Then it ended with what? Allah is most, most gracious. Allah is high. <laughs> What's the joke? Pardon me? <laughs> oh, Allah is high. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say so. Is it the Quran? Now, but, but, but we have to reach out to Muslims. We have to reach out to Muslims. Now, this, you could say, honestly, preparing for this has been so, it's just enormous. I began to appreciate Jesus more. Ah, thank you. You copied his work from the Torah, from Psalms, 
from New Testament, then you say that the Bible is an extension of the Quran. The, the, the book, the, the, the faith that existed 500 years before. And they say that if anybody says otherwise, kill them. But we have to reach out. And let me give you some do's and don'ts to reaching out to Muslims. Do's. Make it clear you're a follower of Christ by your loving words and lifestyle. Make it clear you're a follower of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. Don't assume your Muslim friends understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to show you in closing when I'm done with this slide how someone becomes a follower of Jesus. You know, in case God opens that door for you to minister to someone that is far from, from God or Islamic, to come to God. Take time to build a relationship. Be their friend. Like we've read today, a lot of Muslim people are actually good people, nice people. Be their friend. Don't be surprised if you are initially rejected because some of them are paranoid and they are, they are, they are suspicious. So some may reject, but don't be surprised. Just keep working on it. Correct their misunderstanding of your beliefs, which is why, I mean, do you feel you are empowered this evening to correct them with love? Amen. Correct their misunderstanding of, of the belief. Don't argue. Don't argue with them. If they insist on debating with a Christian, refer them to www.debate.co.uk. Honestly, there's a website for that. I'm sure they have an app too that they can download. They want to really debate. Those ones we debate. Okay. Talk about Jesus. You can call him Isa al-Mashiach. They, they actually know him as Jesus the Christ in the Quran. That's what Isha al-Mashiach means. Don't insult Muhammad. You, are, you know a lot of things about Muhammad today. Don't insult Muhammad. Because the Muslims take it very personally. Very, very personally. Until they, are, they see the truth, the light. You don't expect them to behave as somebody that has seen the light. So don't insult Muhammad. Pray out loud with them in Jesus' name. Ask if they have a need. Someone that is, 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 is sick is a Muslim. When you say, let me pray with you, not many of you say, don't pray with me. In fact, most will say, ah, I beg, pray. Always pray in Jesus' name. Okay? Don't start your prayer with our Father. You know, because they have, the ones that know their onions, they have an issue with Allah as Father. I've explained that. Right? So don't start. Just in Jesus' name, I pray for them. In fact, there was a time, I think, in, was it Katsina? You know, I, I was doing some projects on the north, the whole of north. In fact, I've, I've done projects in every state in this country. Praise God. Unbelievable. You know, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, God, how did you protect me? So I, in one of those projects, I think it was Katsina, there was this crippled guy. And he was being carried by his brother. 
and I was in the, in the, the car. And I felt, you know, movement in my spirit. I knew that I'm going to pray for that crippled guy. It's going to work. It's a dangerous thing to do in those kind of places. So I went to them. I said to them, listen, I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. And you will walk. Instantly, the guy that was carrying him was excited. Was like, I should pray. I should pray. I should pray. But to my shock, the guy that was crippled said no. He told the guy, commanded him to carry him. I could see the pain in the guy's eyes <laughs> when he carried him. I said, don't tell him, man. Let's go. And they left. And the guy kept looking back. The guy carried him down. Oh, God, do something. <laughs> he didn't say that, but I could see it in his face. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so some of them may be headstrong like that. But many of them will allow you to pray. And when you pray and Jesus heals them, then you can tell them about the Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. You pray for somebody that has been having an illness for 21 years and Jesus heals like that. If you want to know now, then you tell them about your Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Use your right hand in giving and receiving things. They are very big on on those kind of things. The ones that know they are, some of them don't even know, but just to be on the safe side. Don't use your left hand in eating. Muslims see left hand as for toilet cleaning and the right hand for eating. Treat your Bible with respect. You know, Christians are very interesting. Because we have knowledge, we know that the, the Bible, the written word, it is the living word in us that becomes the Rema that, that is alive. So we treat the written word, sometimes we treat it anyhow. For a Muslim, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Store it in a high shelf. Don't put it at the bottom of your books. When you come to your house, put your Bible in a prestigious place. Don't put your Bible on the floor, never, in the bathroom, reading material. Some people have out of the magazine rack. They have magazine rack in the bathroom. And they have the Bible there. If you are going to invite a Muslim to your house, don't remove the Bible there. I'm not saying it's wrong. You and I know that there's nothing wrong with it. But for them, it's a big deal. It's a huge, huge deal. So thinking about Allah as Father is unacceptable to all Muslims. That is in Surah 1, 1, 2, 3. Quran affirms the biblical Torah, Psalms, and the Gospels, but claims that Jews and Christians have corrupted it. I've talked about that. They also claim that the, the, the Bible is an extension of, of the Quran when, obviously, the Quran copied the Bible in a whole lot of ways, you know. Um, so you do not, and this is, this is a key, key part, you do not have to insult or embrace Muhammad in order to exalt Jesus. You don't have to insult Muhammad. You don't have to embrace Muhammad in order to, ins- to exalt Jesus. It's important to lift up Jesus and not tear down Muhammad. Jesus says, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
I will draw all men unto me. John 12, 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. So don't go Mohammed bashing. Go Jesus lifting. Do I get an amen? So how do I become a Christian? A, B, C of becoming a Christian. A, all I've seen and I've come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, 1 John 1.10. You can write it down. I'm going to wait. Write it down. A, B, C of being saved. Anybody can do that. A, B, C. Who doesn't know A, B, C? Everybody knows ABC. So if you have an opportunity, remember ABC. The first is all have sinned. Everybody has sinned. This has nothing to do with Christian or Muslim or pagan or Hindu or Krishna. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A. B of, of ABC of receiving Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts 16. 31, Acts 16, 31, and John 1, 12. So the A is all I've seen, or it could be acknowledged your sins, but all I've seen. The B is believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe that he came, he died, he rose again for you. So A, acknowledge all I've seen. B, believe. C, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Someone says that, but pastor, you know, is it, is it just like that? Of course. So when you have an opportunity, when God opens the door, when you've prayed for someone and the person has seen the power of God and says, okay, my sister, my brother, how can I be saved? How can I become a Christian? How can I know Jesus? Remember A, B, C. Just take them through A, B, C, and you're fine. There's no need to be timid. You're like, okay, pastor, I should pray with them. What if I pray and nothing happens? Listen, who says nothing will happen? Believe that something will happen, and it will happen. Okay. Pastor, that thing you said, you were talking about Katina. What if you had prayed for that crippled man and he agreed for you to pray for him. And you not pray for him. And it did not work. You may not live there alive. <laughs> Do you know that at that point, I didn't even think that far. <laughs> really. I just knew that God will heal him. Just believe. And God will bless you. Do we have any questions? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.